Hi friends, welcome to Womankind. I'm here in episode 28 with a very special guest today. This is Kelsey Novis, your host, and I am here with Senator Karen Housley, member of the Minnesota Senate from the 39th District. Hi, Karen. Hi, Kelsey. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I'm thrilled to do this today. So tell us a little bit about your story, just so we can get a sense of where you come from and where you've been. Well, I grew up in a, a small town in uh, south of St. Paul, actually called South St. Paul, um, 25,000 people. Um, grew up there. Both my parents were public school teachers. And I, when I graduated from high school, I ended up marrying my high school boyfriend, Phil Housley, which to all of those in Buffalo, they probably know who he is. He went right from high school to play for the Buffalo Sabres. And I went uh, to college in Minnesota, but ended up transferring out to UB. But to everybody in Minnesota, I have to say, the State University of New York at Buffalo. Um, But I transferred to UB and got my degree in communications. And I worked at both the uh, WKVW and WGRZ as an assistant news producer uh, at those stations after I graduated. And then Phil got traded to Winnipeg in 1990, and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't able to work anymore. I didn't have my working visa up there, and I, I uh, just decided to surrender to motherhood at that point. And so Phil and I have four kids. Um, they're now 31, 28, 26, and 20. 20. Um, two of them were born in Buffalo. And uh, we, we traveled all over the U.S. and Canada with Phil's career. He ended up playing 21 years. Um, and during that time, I also wrote a book teaching women how to invest in the stock market. Um, it was more of an empowering book uh, to really educate women on how important the financial piece is. We're so good at everything else from um, taking care of the kids and the house and our, our work and our faith and, and education, all of that, that the financial piece is such a big deal. So wrote that book while we were moving cross-country, got back to Minnesota when Phil retired. Actually, I came back to Minnesota before Phil even retired. I came back in 2001, and he still went on to play in uh, Chicago and Toronto after that, and um, ended up starting a real estate business because I got really good at moving, (laughs) started a real estate business, and uh, grew that to, to a pretty successful company here in Minnesota, and I got my oldest two daughters involved in it. After they graduated from college and went out to the corporate world, they came back um, and joined my real estate business because I needed help. And in 2012, I ran for the Minnesota Senate. Uh, I was was frustrated with the direction the state of Minnesota was going here, so I ran for the Minnesota Senate, and I won, and I've been in the Senate since then. Um, And it has really, really been a, a, a very fulfilling career doing both the real estate business and serving the people of Minnesota. And then um, just earlier this year, I took it one step further after being in the Minnesota Senate for six years and being frustrated with the way things are going in Washington, D.C. I don't know anybody who's not frustrated with the way things are going in in D.C. That's true. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's very frustrating. And I've always been one of those people that just wants to get things done. I, I, political beliefs aside, Mm-hmm. I'm, I just get very tired of government and not getting anything done. That 
I decided to run for the United States Senate for the seat that was vacated by uh, Minnesota Senator Al Franken. So that's the latest on the agenda. So I'm currently doing the real estate in the Minnesota State Senate and running for the United States Senate, and the election is this November. So, well, and currently just coming home from the grocery store because I, I, the daughter from college told me she's coming home tonight with 10 of her friends. So <laughs> that is my life. I'm juggling mom and career all at the same time. Wow, that was like a very concise um, explanation <laughs> of like so many things. You are truly a renaissance woman. Ah, <laughs> uh, thanks. There's 54 years wrapped up in two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and we do, I, many of my listeners are in Buffalo, New York, so we do love that connection that you have to Buffalo. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you know what, it's, uh, we just, we came back to Buffalo because now Phil's the head coach of the Sabres. And, um, and and before that, he was the assistant coach for the Nashville Predators, and they went to the Stanley Cup Finals, and that's when he got hired by the Predators. And, you know, we always toyed with the idea, should, should I, you know, retire from my work here in Minnesota and move and be with him wherever he's at? But it's one of those careers that you never know how long you're going to be somewhere. Right. So, um... So, and, and you work so hard to build your own career, and I absolutely love what I do, that that we both decided that, no, you know what, keep doing what I'm doing here in Minnesota, and I just commute back and forth to Buffalo, mm-hmm. uh, reconnected with so many old friends and, and met a ton of new ones, and it's, it's really good. It feels like Phil and I have come full circle, you know, being back in nice. Buffalo, and uh with, and it's changed so much, and I absolutely love the downtown, and I love all the restaurants, and yeah, we're having a, a really good time reconnecting with, with the city and the people. It really is such a great time to be back in Buffalo, and people are moving here, it's really booming, and and we're happy to have you guys here with us. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. We just have to, uh, not we, he, and the, and the management and the players, they've got to turn that, turn their, uh, uh, savers, they've got to get to the playoffs. They've got to, they'll turn it around. They're building and they, they know what to do. So, so it was a good learning year for everybody. And now it's time to put the hammer down and get some, get some serious results for the fans in Buffalo, who are the greatest fans on the planet, by the way. The, love, love them. The most resilient fans on the planet, I would say. Oh my gosh, I know. Between the savers and the bills, mm-hmm. it's going to turn. The Pagulas have done so much for the city of Buffalo and for the sports teams. Uh, what a gift they are to to Western New York. Absolutely. I've lived here my whole life, and so I am, I feel lucky to be here at this age, at this time, to enjoy all of yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could be there more with you. <laughs> so I do have a follow-up question for something that you've said. So, you know, in your career, you've been hugely successful, and your husband and his career has been hugely successful. So how do you – how have you – balance that and manage that over the years with children and just with, as you said, being in different locations and both trying to really build strong, successful careers? It, it has been, you know, it hasn't always been smooth sailing, I'll, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, we, um, we have to make sure that we put our relationship and our family first. And, and there have been times where, you know, that's, that's fallen mm-hmm. and, and we have to, we have to readjust and, and regroup and go, uh oh, you know, look what we're doing again. 
so right. it's it's a lot of juggling. It's a lot of, of really um, getting a tight schedule, and <laughs> it's. I can tell you, raising four kids is the hardest thing in the world to do. <laughs> I, I so so now that all the kids are gone, and and I just have the the two careers and fill in Buffalo. That is much easier to juggle than four kids and hockey and soccer and dance and dentists and doctors and schools and PTAs and all of that. I I look at, at young mothers and my daughter is a young mother herself and I just go, whoa, mm-hmm. I so wouldn't want to go through it again. I loved it, but one time through that is enough. So, But once you come through that and you get to the other side, it's, it's the whole world opens up and you have a, a bunch of free time. I feel like it was free time, so I filled it. Um, <laughs> But it's it's been a very it's been a very full life, and Phil and I are very very lucky that that we have um, he he was as good at, at what he did to provide us this life, mm-hmm. and then um, I think also I think also working or watching Phil and his focus and his drive growing up because we were eighteen, um, really learning from him and applying that to our relationship and our family has helped but it's a lot of scheduling and a lot of the the google calendar has eight different calendars on there that everybody can log into to see where everybody's at and where i am and where phil is so but always make making sure that our our family and our relationship is at the top and then also um our faith too that's very big to us so Mm -hmm. just putting that first and everything else will fall into place if you have that Mm -hmm. well it sounds like you guys have a very Organi- organization seems to be the key as long as you're keeping your priorities straight. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, some fantastic advice for, um, you know, couples who are maybe juggling with two different careers or some different things. Um, but do you have any advice for women and particularly young women who are looking to get involved in politics? Um. Yes, you know what, and and I get I get kids to the Capitol all the time asking me that, and I think the most important thing is do something outside of politics, like whether it's it's uh, with the environment or with your church or a career or a job, um, do something outside of politics because I think sometimes you get people who go to school and then they. Um, go on to college and they major in political science because they always want to be in politics. But when you do that, I don't know what you really bring to the table right. when you've only been studying government. Right. You know, what, what, can, what can you add to the, to the party? So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, for me, most important to go out there and be a well-rounded person and then bring that back to politics. And I think once you do have the time to offer, um, whether it's city council or school boards or your church board um, or running for state government, um, once you have something that, that you really feel is of value, but I think I think in your 20s, it's really a lot about figuring out who you are, um, what you're interested in, what you're good at, what you're passionate about. I think if you jump into politics too early, you're going you're gonna to burn out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think really finding out who you are and then um, and then, if you're interested in politics or you're, you're uh, uh, and I never was, I got to tell you, I <laughs> never, ever was. Um, plus, I was so busy raising the kids and moving um, right. that 
and I wasn't a resident of half the places I lived, more than half the places I lived, um, that I couldn't run for anything. So I, I kind of just, it, and I think a lot of people, when they say they, they uh, hate politics, it's because they really don't have the time to dive in and, and, and figure out what everything's about. They just hear all the fighting and all of that. But um, if, if someone is interested in, in serving, I think really um, starting out somewhere, how do you run for, for your local school board or, or how do you run for city council and going to city council meetings and talking to the people. And there's always people ready to help you to how you set up your campaign and how you fundraise and how you get signed locations and all of that. What's your platform? So just, just um, going to the city council meetings or school board meetings or even going to the, the, uh, your House of Representatives or your state senate um, and just watching and listening, it's, it's very, very interesting. interesting. But I'd say go have a real life first. Right. Yeah. Okay. I like that advice. So do not become a career politician. <laughs> Absolutely. We have way too many of those at every level. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I see being in the education field, uh, sometimes I feel that decisions are made for teachers by people who have never been in a classroom. So I feel like that's kind of the same, along the same lines that, you know, you need to bring, think, you need to bring yeah, some yeah, outside yeah, knowledge yeah. <laughs> to the table. Absolutely. And that was one of my most frustrating things with government is at every level and, and in every sector, government wants to make decisions for you when they have no idea what they're even talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, so to mandate something on, on our teachers, when you go, have you ever been in a classroom before and now you want to you give us all of these regulations? They're taking away all of your time to even be teaching because mm -hmm. you have so much paperwork to fill out. Right. So. Right. That's one of my, I, it's one of my biggest frustrations is government getting too big, mandating things on people when they have no idea what they're even talking about. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> that was my little snippet. <laughs> All right. So let's switch gears. Uh, I'm going to move into the questions about womanhood. So tell me, Karen, what it means to you to be a woman in 2018. I think, and, and until your your podcast, I'd never really thought about it. I mean, there was all of the uh, uh, stuff leading up to, you know, the hashtag Me Too movement. Right. And especially the U.S. Senate seat that I'm running for, Al Franken's. Right. Um, I had never really thought about what it means to be a woman because I just always have been one. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know what it's like to be anything else. And, mm -hmm. and people will say, well, what's it like to be married to a professional hockey player? And I'm like, I don't know. I've never been married to anybody else. <laughs> so so it's just your life. And so I think for me being a woman, I, 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 I learned from my mom what it's like to be a strong, independent woman. Um, and she, as soon as she got all, all three of us kids off to kindergarten, was when she started her career. And she was always... Um, she was always busy doing something, whether it was at church or with the school, or, or then she started her own tax business. Um, but she was always she was always busy, and she was always working, and she was always independent, and she didn't rely on on not just any men, but any women. She didn't rely on anybody to tell her what she was going to do with her life. And I think I learned from her. She never told us. I just watched her, and I think. Um, that was important to me to be a strong woman for my kids, my son included. I've got three girls and a mm -hmm. boy. Um, I think, I think in 2018 uh, is 
for me, no different than any of the other years, is to just continue to be a strong, independent person and and listen to your gut and do what you think is right. Um, I know there are the, the movements, like I said earlier, with the sexual harassment, and I think this last year has really made me think about it um, because I don't think there's a woman who has not heard one of those comments or, or uh, felt it, um, and, and most of us have always just brushed it off, and uh, I just, you know, oh, that's just guys. Um, so it has made me think about that a little bit more, and when it happens to stand up for myself, when it happens, instead of just brush it off, mm-hmm. I think... I think that's the one thing that has happened. And you don't have to do it in a rude way because I can honestly tell you some of these men don't even know what they're saying when they say it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I think educating them along the way and then if it happens a second time, then get angry. But um, I think that's the one thing that's happened to me in 2018 It's just pay attention to what other people say. It, I've never allowed it to affect me. I just always think, oh, it's really got to be horrible to be them and that's how they think. Right. Um, but I think just going about your own path and setting your own goals and being a strong, independent person, um, man or woman, I think is, is what I've always lived by and just trying to show that to our kids. All right. Excellent answer. I like that. Um, is there anything specific that you are doing as a senator to um, make things better or easier for women or advocating for women in some way? I'm trying to think if there's any bills, um, any bills up that, and I think one of the, I, I really believe that, that when you're a woman and you advocate for women on um, whatever issue it is at the state capitol, we had one, um, they wanted women veterans license plates. We already have veterans license plates, hmm. and they wanted women veterans That's license plates. That's interesting. I know, and I believe that when you start doing that, you make us look weaker. Mm-hmm. I believe if you're a woman veteran, you're a veteran, right. you know? So, so I think sometimes when we legislate um, to help women, we actually aren't helping them. Mm-hmm. So, so I, think, I think it's more um, what I like to do with women, especially when the, the younger girls come in, is just really empower them to be strong and independent and not do it through laws, but education, uh, especially when we've got a, a lot of different cultures here in Minnesota and the Somali population is really big. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think um, embracing their culture yet educating them about our culture here is, is really important. Um, and, and just yeah, living, living what you believe in being a strong, independent woman, I think is much more, impo- much more important than legislating anything to help women out. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I know we are short on time, but I just have one more question that I have to ask because my boyfriend will kill me if I don't ask this question. So ah! I, I know that you tried to make purple the official state color of Minnesota for in honor of oh, Prince. Yes. I loved Prince so much. Um, we even had, back in the 80s, there was a uh, Buffalo Sabres Halloween party, mm-hmm. and um, all the players went to it, and Lindy Ruff was the captain, and 
Phil and I did not go to the Sabres Halloween party because we went to a Prince concert in Buffalo. Nice. <laughs> um, and it was, we really kind of like shook things up there when we didn't show up at the thing. But I loved Prince so much because he's from Minnesota. Right. And um, um, so I did have the bill after Prince passed away because there are like, I think, 22 other states that have an official state color. Mm-hmm. We even have an official fruit, an official muffin, an official painting. Wow. We have official everything. So Who I was like, oh, I think we should have, I write, I think we should have an official state color as purple. And then, um, and plus our Minnesota Vikings are purple. So right. I thought it made complete sense. Well, government is so interesting. The pushback that I got, um, one from why don't you do some serious things. And I, I was like, do you want to see my, you want to see 106 of my serious bills? This is just my fun one that I thought was a good idea. Um, plus the pushback, uh, you know, we're the land of 10,000 lakes. Why shouldn't it be blue? Why shouldn't it be yellow? So I said, okay, bring your, bring your bill and let's debate it. Um, and so I still have the bill out there for our, our state color, our official state color to be purple. Um, I may just push it here in the next couple of weeks, depending on how things go with my, my other very important bill is uh, taking care of our seniors here, mm-hmm. our elder care and vulnerable adult population. Mm-hmm. Um, so once that one gets through, I'll have a little free time and maybe I can push the, the color mm-hmm. purple because I think, honestly, whenever I think of the color purple, I think of the state of Minnesota. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully I can get that through somewhere in the next couple mm-hmm. months. And now I will too every time I think of the color purple. So That's right. <laughs> you will say Prince and the Minnesota Vikings. Yes. I mean, I think it's okay to have a little bit of fun in the Senate, right? <laughs> well, you know what, Kelsey? I think so. And uh, <laughs> there's there's about 60 other people that I need to convince of that. Mm-hmm. I, I it is it's an interesting it's an interesting group. Um, but yeah, a little bit of fun in everything you do is is a good thing. And yes. so if people want to people want to object to it, then you got to just feel sorry for them. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, Karen, is there anything else that you'd like to add to our discussion today? No, I think that's good, Kelsey. Thank you so much, and, and uh, thanks for having me on your on your show and, and to help empower women because it is it is important to have strong role models, and thank you for what you do teaching the kids of the world. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's so important, especially I know, I know how tough it is with both my niece and my best friend and my parents all being school teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for doing that. And also say hello to all my friends in Buffalo. So many. I wish I, wish I could get there more often. Oh. But it well, is what it is. I just get weekends here and there. Well, thank you so much for being a role model and for standing up for the things you stand up for in our government. Uh, thanks, Kelsey. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. If you're looking to get in touch with Womankind, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Womankind Podcast. You can email us at womankindpodcast at gmail.com or visit our website at www.womankindpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Bye, friends.